Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is episode number 41 with your host Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. How's it going this week, Dakota? Going pretty good. Hey, we had to restart this episode because I had a coughing fit. Uh, there's been this little cold that's been going around that I got from my daughter, and it's it's been just hitting everybody. Um, so I, I'm fully over it now, but you know how after a cold, your throat just feels like a little bit raw or agitated? Oh, yeah. And it's hit me the last couple of days. Today's the best I've felt in over a week, though. Well, last week, your, your voice was gone. Yeah, from the pulpit. I was just like... A, all raspy and messed up. This week you could hear it too a little bit. A little bit from the pulpit you could tell. Yeah. But now it's getting better. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. My voice sounds much deeper. Deeper. You know? It did sound deeper. <laughs> it's my radio voice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now you're on the radio once a week. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you're in the area, you can listen to Pastor Dakota yeah. uh, from Ottawa Bible Church on KOFO on Sunday mornings. 103.7 and I think uh, FM and I think it's 12:20 a.m. but every Sunday morning from 8:30 to 9 o'clock I am on the radio giving a shorter abridged version of Sunday's message. I get to go into the studio a couple days before the message, record it, it's on the air, and then of course the extended version is live in the pulpit. So, it's fun. Well, thank you guys for listening in. Um yep. as always, please share our podcast. Uh, that's how new people listen. Um you know, we don't really do too much promoting of our podcast besides within our own church right. uh, and on our church website. And so, you know, please do that. Uh, I will say um, that uh, the original website, Be Disciples Podcast website, um, is no longer on, uh, but I will change that address over and you'll still be able to access our episodes from that uh, address right. uh, here soon. And so that'll get changed over, but you can find us on any podcast platform. So, whether you are listening, if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify or Pandora or wherever, you can still do that. That doesn't change. Um, so uh, thank you all for listening. Please share uh, and pray for us uh, because we uh, are always praying for you guys, our listeners. Uh, I see the stats of who's listening around the world. Uh, and uh, I take that moment to pray because uh, really we have listeners uh, on every continent, and which is super cool. Yeah. And really just praying for you guys out there. Everybody's circumstances are different in different countries and, and their lives look different, uh, but the word of God stays the same. Yes. And we stand on that truth no matter where you are in this world, and Jesus saves. And so we're always praying for you guys. Yeah, and just another note, just as we get started, again, we do this podcast because we want to help you become better disciples. We want to help you understand the Word of God. We also want you to help others understand the Word of God. So we've been working through the book of Mark, passage by passage, not even necessarily chapter by chapter. And uh, Pastor Kyle and I, we've been having discussions with one another over the passages that we're walking through because we want to trailblaze those discussions before you. So if you're thinking, I don't know how to sit down and disciple somebody with the Bible. Well, you can listen to each episode, get a heads up, just how we naturally talk about the scripture in context, and then you could use it as a training device for yourself. So today, we're actually going to be finishing out Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45, all the way to 56. And we're even going to spend some time in John chapter 6 as a little bit of commentary towards uh, this this scene that we're working with. John 6 tells us more about this scene that Mark does not include in his gospel. So 
Should yeah. be fun. So we're going into the third episode of Mark chapter 6 at yep. this moment. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Right. Uh, really, and uh, seeing... Uh, seeing uh, the very human side of all the apostles <laughs> uh, and being uh, restless and frustrated and and Jesus, you know, showing compassion uh, to the people who were following them and uh, continuing teaching and then, you know, really providing not just spiritually but physically. And now we are about to, this after that scene of feeding the 5,000, we're going to jump in in verse 45 and it's going to be right after that happened. Absolutely. So here we are. I'm going to read. Actually, I'm going to pray, and then I'll start with the reading. Father, we just ask you for power from on high uh, through the gift of your Holy Spirit who uh, was sent to us as a counselor, as a helper uh, from the Son of God who he died on the cross for our sins, resurrected from the dead, and made us a, a part of uh, your family uh, by faith alone in him. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus saves. Jesus is the king. And Jesus will change uh, your life forever if you're listening. Thank you so much, uh, God, for this uh, episode, for this show, for Be Disciples podcast. We pray for all of our listeners that they would grow in the faith. Help them, God, to share uh, the word of God with others through this podcast as well. And please just bless this conversation. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. Verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, immediately, there it is again, transitionary tool in Mark, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Let's just stop there. You know, I mean, before we get to the, well, verse 46 says, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. What do you remember about the last episode, connecting <laughs> verses 45 and 46? Yeah, well, we had uh, some short words, I think, between Jesus and the <laughs> right. and the disciples, kind of some frustration between them. Uh -huh. um, and, and we saw that, um, you know, because they were tired uh, and they really just wanted to take time to rest. And Jesus says, no, um, we are going to... Uh, show compassion to these people. We're going to teach these people. At least Jesus did. Yeah. Um, and so I think there was a little bit of frustration between Jesus and the disciples. So they immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat, right, in 45, Yeah. and go before him to the other side. So he sent them off. Yeah. He said, well, you guys have bad attitudes. <laughs> go to the other side. Uh, you're in timeout. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, timeout. And then he, he dismisses the crowd. Yes. So clearly alone, he had more to say <clears throat> and dismissed them or, or gave them a proper farewell right. uh, and didn't just run away uh, into the boat, but said, you guys go ahead and... And uh, I guess I'll catch up, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll read that in a second. Yeah. Uh, and then after he had, he had taken leave of them, he went to the mountain to pray. So he went off alone uh, to spend some time with the Lord. So like the text doesn't explicitly say after the feeding of the 5,000, they had an attitude problem and all of that. <laughs> no. But, but, yeah, but, you know, you do see why would he send his disciples away before he sends off the rest of the crowd? when they were supposed to be doing ministry with him. Why does he go away to pray to the Father alone without the disciples 
when earlier in chapter 6, verses thirty and uh, 31 and 32, they were supposed to go to a secluded place together, I think there's something that's going to come up in this passage that's going to show us the disciples really did have a problem. And because of that one verse that's about to come up, I think you're going to be able to at least make an argument for the fact that Jesus is not just trying to reveal himself to the crowds. He's also trying to reveal himself to the disciples. So continuing on, verse 47, when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, should they have reached land by that point? We don't know. Nevertheless, when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. Okay, that's another significant detail. But when they saw him, Excuse me. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. That's how I imagine him saying it at least. (laughs) Verse 51. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. That's the line I'm talking about. So let's analyze verses 47 to 52. Almost how it ends, it makes you look back at what we just read a little bit and go, this was a more of a darker moment, like an intense moment. Yes. It wasn't just Jesus strolling on by on the water, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he had a point to make. Yeah, yeah. And he did some serious stuff here to show what he's in control of. Right. Which is everything. Right. Right. <laughs> so we have this. So they go out. Clearly, we know by that last verse we read that they were still upset about what just happened. Mm-hmm. That they're tired. They're frustrated. Mm-hmm. They're at their wits end. And they allowed that to get to them and not really see what Jesus was teaching them. Well, they saw themselves. They saw themselves. Right. They didn't see. Which cost them. Right. Yeah. And so they go out, they're in the boat, Jesus goes off to pray, and then he almost comes to them with a purpose. It does say that he intended to pass by them, but they cried out to him. They cried out to him, they cried out to a ghost, or what they, what they didn't know what it was, and they were terrified. Uh, but immediately spoke to them and says, Take heart as I do not be afraid, which I think the way you said it was probably... Closer, a little more intense. Little, Not, maybe a rebuke. I mean, I don't. It I'd could have be. To do more investigation. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, don't want to add to the text, but no. there's definitely never a feeling here because their hearts were hardened by this. I think this was more of an intense moment, more of Jesus showing his authority uh, in this moment more than anything else. Right. There was less words to be said, yes. and more of what he was actually doing. It's very much like Mark. Mm-hmm. So he goes out. He That's how walks, Mark writes his gospel. Yeah, he walks on water, yep. which, what one, no one else can do that. Right. He gets in the boat yep. and stops the wind. Yep. Yep. And so we see him control the elements yep. and defy gravity Yep. and f- make food appear out of nowhere. Right. 
So Jesus is showing his disciples yes. who he truly is. He controls all things. He's the creator of all things. I mean, there's a lot of power being shown here by Jesus. Right. And I think we know Jesus is a man. So I would I could say Jesus was probably a little frustrated with his disciples. Mm-hmm. I think not in a sinful way. Not in a sinful way, because he has the emotions. God gets angry, right? Yeah. In a, in a you know, not in a obviously a sinful way. So I think Jesus was frustrated and angry. He did go off to pray, and whatever happened in that prayer between him and the Father, whatever he did here was intentional. Um, and I think he made a point. That's that's you know, that's you know I, how I how I kind of see it uh, without adding anything. Those, you know, there has, there's some tension here. um, And I think Jesus addressed the tension. I keep going back to verses 30 to 32 because you're right. The text doesn't explicitly say enough for us to make a a objective judgment, right? Mm -hmm. At least on this point. What we do know is that Mark is revealing Jesus to be the, the son of God who has authority over all things. But look at 30 to 32 again. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Let's remember, why did they, why were they able to do things? Why were they able to teach? Because Jesus sent them in his authority. Verse 31, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. Or rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. And then, of course, verse 33 insinuates possibly that they got interrupted. That's what it seems like. So it's really interesting to me that the disciples never got a chance to rest. And now, after the incident with the bread and the loaves and the fish, Jesus just sends them away before he bids farewell to the whole crowd, and then Jesus goes by himself alone to pray. Mm-hmm. Almost as if like all along, one thing that Jesus was able to do was in spite of the interruptions to keep his focus and priority on spending time with the Father. But the disciples aren't there yet. It's like maybe they've forgotten he gave them the authority to do ministry. Maybe they have yet to realize he has authority to multiply food. I mean, maybe his there's an insinuation here that rest comes not in just time away from things, but rest really comes in clinging to the power God gives you by meeting with him. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm really like filtering through this. I'm not trying to proclaim this is what it says, but I'm just investigating the text. That's all I'm doing. You see that Jesus gets something that the disciples don't get. And you start to wonder, what is he teaching them? And then well, you have verse 52. They hadn't gained any insight. They didn't grow. They didn't. Right. Well, they. We've up to this point, we've seen uh, the disciples with Jesus and the disciples see many things happen. Uh-huh. Right. With, there's tons of miracles are happening in Mark. <clears throat> Fast pace, miracles, miracles, miracles over and over and over again. Right. And who knows how many more miracles happened in between that. Right. So we know there were more. the disciples are going, they're following Jesus. They're seeing all these things happen day after day after day. And they're, he's teaching and he's teaching. Uh, and then he sends them off and says, you go teach, you go do these things. I will provide for you. Go in pairs, go right. off. Don't take these things. Gives them instructions. They go off and do it. They come back and they're talking about, oh, look at all these things that we did. 
Um, and they, they, they're almost in this, uh, in this place, in this environment where Jesus is really using them day after day. Um, and they get kind of, I think they get caught up in it to the point where they almost miss a little selfish. Yeah. They almost like become a little (laughs) selfish because here when it says that Jesus, uh, last week when we were talking about feeding the 5,000, that he had compassion on the crowd because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Right. It was almost that moment of, you know, the disciples are, <laughs> he could read, he knew their hearts. Look at all that we see, did. Look at all that we did. And he's like, I want you to be a shepherd. I want you to be a shepherd and I'm going to go show you what that looks like. Yeah. Regardless if you're tired or you're whatever. Yeah. And so you kind of see this, the, these, this attitude they have a little bit of selfishness that they have, which they're men, they're sinners. Right. Um, and and we all wrestle with these things too. And I right. think that's why we can connect with the apostles here. Yeah. I mean, we can really go, oh, wow, I'm frustrated and I feel that way and I think those things too. Right. And Jesus kicks my butt when those things happen yep. and shows me that you need to have compassion on people because right. I'm not very a compassionate person. Right. And I can get very hard-headed and not want to help somebody because they need to figure it out themselves. Right. Uh, or they need to go to Jesus when I should be shepherding right. and I should be teaching and helping them grow. So you see this play out all the way through Jesus walking on the water in this moment of him showing his authority. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's this clear reminder. I am the Lord. Right. I am God. Right. And whatever is going on in your hearts right now, which I know is happening. <laughs> yeah needs to stop before we get to the other side. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how it feels. Almost like a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a moment of almost like a father-son moment mm-hmm. of, you you know, there's almost a little bit of, uh, I don't know what to call it, just well, discipleship, a discipline. <laughs> verse 51, then he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. And then it goes on to say, for they had not, for, here's the reason, they were utterly astonished for or because they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. I have a subscript in my Bible that says, or their mind was closed, made dull or insensible. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that while on one hand, the disciples, the very men that Jesus is going to use to go and proclaim the gospel around the world and a uh, number of them will write, help write the New Testament. At this point, you see that they are still a work in progress. And at this point, you see the true model of the Son of God who's in charge of the elements, but you also see the real shepherd, the true shepherd. I mean, Jesus realizes that in moments of difficulty, moments of ministry, he gets away to go pray to the Father. But you see the humanity of the disciples, and there's a a stark contrast Maybe it could be said a principle from the text would be, you know, when you're more about yourself, you can get burnt out in ministry real quick because the uh, the results don't benefit you all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And we got to remember we're we're empowered to do ministry is from the King Himself. So, just some things. But then we get into 53 to 56 to close the chapter, and then of course we're going to use John chapter six as commentary for this scene. He's about to now get on the crowds too, (laughs) who he just sent away. So verse 53, when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret 
and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak and as many as touched it were being cured. So I think this is the crowd that saw him, you know, turn five loaves and two fish into countless amount of food. I have a footnote in the Bible in my Bible that tells me in verse fifty three that there's a the same scene is found in John chapter six. Mm-hmm. So the assumption is that this scene they get to the other side of the shore, the same crowd comes back. And John chapter 6 tells us more about what happens when they get to the other side of the shore. So if we were to just start in verse, John chapter 6, verse, I think that's fair, yeah. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, I say to you, You seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Let's just pause there. What are some things Jesus is is noting? Well, he notes that <clears throat> they're seeking him not because of signs that they saw, but because they were given food. Yeah. That they, uh, a need was met, uh, specifically a physical need. Yep. We do know that him giving <laughs> them the bread and the fish <laughs> was a miracle. Yeah. But they may have not known that. It yeah, se- that, it that's seems possible. Like it, se- it seems possible. I don't, I don't know for sure, but it seems like, because he does say, not because you saw signs, which... They could have saw signs, but because you you ate your fill of the loaves. But then he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Right. The food I gave you, you ate it, you're going to digest it, that's going to perish. Right. But I'm going to talk about another food. Right. I'm going to talk about a fruit Mm -hmm. that is eternal. Right. uh, That that comes. And so, which the Son of Man will give you. Right. uh, For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So what's a seal? Really quick. Well, it seals something up, so yeah. it's secure. Yeah, I mean, it, like with wax, right? You know, it closes an envelope. It it um, essentially glues it down. It keeps it closed. It keeps it solidified. That's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God the Father has set His seal on God the Son. It's it's His word that He endures through eternal life. You need to seek not just you know the the daily food that's going to get you from here to there. And then they ask the then they ask a question. Uh, then they said to him in verse 28, what must we do to be doing the work of God or the works of God? So, yeah. so clearly they understood what he was saying because uh-huh. they ask a question. Okay, we understand that you're asking us to do something that produces fruit or produces a different to an eternal food. Yeah. So what is this work that we must do for God? Mm-hmm. He answers, verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's salvation by works right there. Yeah. 
just believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing that he said. Yeah. Right? Uh, the work of God that you believe in Jesus yeah. and what he's going to do. Uh, and that was that's the main thing. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we uh, may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Yeah, like, whoa, Uh-oh. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about what I just did, first of all. But, yeah. Bold, bold question. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder if they didn't have an idea. Yeah, and, I, mean, I mean, maybe not. You see in John chapter 6, the previous passage, Jesus walks on water, the start of the pa- the chapter, 5,000 feds. We know this is the same scene. Um, verse 31 they continue to say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven. Because it wasn't, right? Moses didn't give him bread. Nope. But it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Pretty interesting. So who's the bread of life? Jesus. It's Jesus himself, yeah. So this is a really good point. If you're having a conversation with someone that you're discipling, you can turn to John 6 and give them a more expanded version of what Mark 6 was saying and can show how Jesus used this sign as maybe an introduction to the greater reality, and the greater reality is he himself is the food which will never perish. Yeah, verse verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Yeah. I mean, that right there, uh, a lot to unpack in, in one sentence uh, from Jesus. I mean, he wraps up by saying he is the bread of life. Um, and no one shall hunger or thirst uh-huh. those who believe in me. And we know it's not a literal hunger and thirst now. No, yeah. it is not. But it is, I think, as a as a believer, um, I don't sit around and necessarily think about where's my eternity, right? In you know where is where's what's ha- happens after I die. Yeah. I don't hunger and I know what's going to happen. Right. My hope is in Jesus. Yes. There's this hunger and thirst that these people are searching for. That I'm not searching for anymore. Mm-hmm. There's there's a rest uh, in in the bread of life uh, in what Jesus is doing. Uh, there's a provision that is given beyond the physical needs, uh, but in my soul uh, right. that has been given. And I I don't hunger and thirst in my soul for something anymore. I I rest in Jesus. That's it. And so I think that's so. I mean, it's powerful because. Uh, that's what everyone's look. That's what everybody is looking for. Yeah, rest within their soul. Yeah, a quenching of that thirst. And that's what the world doesn't have. They're thirsty. They're hungry. And then when you, uh, the interesting thing is when you know Jesus, and then you try to share Jesus, um, you know it has to be Him saving people. Yeah, because people don't always want to listen to the Christian. They don't always want to listen to this hope. Yeah. Uh, they don't always want to really see what Jesus has done. Yeah. Um, that's why we're called to go and share and teach, uh, but we're not called to save yeah. because only Jesus saves. Right. Uh, because he does that work in people's hearts. Right. He quenches that thirst. Yeah. We cannot do that. We can share it. Right. This is what quenches your thirst. Right. This is what you're looking but for. But I can't make them but believe. I, but I can't do that. And he is the bread of life. 
I am not. Just because I have the Holy Spirit doesn't make me right. ha- or have the ability to do that. And so it is Jesus who is truly doing this. And um, that's comforting in itself because I know I can't do it. Uh, yeah. My efforts are feeble. Uh, I can't do any of those things. And just, just knowing that this is who Jesus is is comforting. And uh, it truly is amazing to sit and know that I, I am at rest in that place in my life. I don't have to worry about that. Well, a few things that we see here is, number one, if you're listening, just be reminded that the Bible is very clear here in the words of Jesus. You can't get saved unless you trust in him, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus just straight up commanded you to believe, not, I mean, if he would have said there's another type of work to be done to earn your salvation, he would have referred to something else. But when referring to the work of God, he said, look, you the work of God, verse 29, is that you believe in him whom he has sent. Who did God send? He sent Jesus. What did Jesus come to do? To die on the cross for your sins and resurrect from the dead so that you won't go to hell and be held accountable for your sin. Jesus was held accountable for our sin. He died, bore the wrath of God, took our punishment for us. So in order to be saved, we need to believe in him. Faith saves, not our own works, right? I, I do think it's interesting here too, Kyle, is if we look back to the last episode, Jesus had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says that he was already teaching them many things. Then it got late. Then he fed them food. So there was preaching and teaching that took place to prepare the hearts of this crowd before he fed them. And now they've come to the other side. And now he is straight up very directly teaching them about eternal life. So I wonder what he said earlier. We don't have note of that, I don't believe. But we do know that they were primed to then hear the gospel later on, which is pretty cool. So verse 35 all the way to 40, let's close up the episode with this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. By the way, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the words ego, a me in the Greek, I am, he's literally saying, I am literally God. That's insinuation. But verse 36, Jesus said, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Okay, now there's a problem. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him, here's a promise, will have eternal life. And I myself, I, Jesus, myself, will raise him up on the last day. How beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lays out the gospel yes, as clear as possible uh, to these people. <clears throat> so this is a conversation we probably don't have time for to, to finish the episode. Um, but this idea that God, the Father, brings people to Jesus. We know that Jesus went to them the first time. I mean, they met him on the shore, but he went there. We know that Jesus then gets to the other side of the shore. He meets them there or, or they meet him there. They're seeking Jesus but they're struggling with belief. The Bible tells us, I think it's later on in this chapter, that no one can come to Jesus unless God the Father draws him. 
And that brings up a big theological question. The word draw literally means drags. No one can come to Jesus unless God the Father drags him. So the question that many have theologically is, well, you know, does God cause a person's heart to be born again so that they can believe because God the Father has to bring them to Jesus? Or does God drag them to put them before Jesus and then as they're close enough to Jesus, hear his teaching, they then believe? I side on the fact of it's the latter. I, I, I believe that regeneration doesn't take place until you first believe. But there's this idea here that God the Father has to be involved in the conversion process um, or you're not getting saved. It's just clear in the text, right? So it's kind of a big theological debate, but that it's present. It is present there. The other thing, kind of going back a little bit, to what was Jesus teaching beforehand? Right. Uh, I wonder if he was teaching or giving something about Moses. Yeah. Because he mentions Moses. You know what I mean? It comes up. Right. So there may have been something of that type of teaching. Right. Uh, uh, from from the time of Moses, maybe he was priming him, talking about the wilderness, talking about the bread that comes from the Father beforehand. Right. Um, and then it leads into this discussion of who is the bread of life. Yes. Then. Uh, it is me, uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus. So it's almost, he could have primed it. They could have already had some of this coming up. Right. And they understood what he was saying because they already had this uh, talk or this teaching already took place. Right. Um, uh, which they should have already known, these people, uh, some of them, um, what the stuff that he was teaching. But he was making that connection that I am not Moses. Moses did not provide the bread. The bread came from heaven. The Father gave you the bread. The Father has sent me. Yes. And I am the bread of life. Are you making the connection, people? Right. <laughs> you know, he's uh, putting it all there. He's connecting all the dots. Yep. Uh, and then he's very clear about who he is. He no longer is kind of beating around the bush. He just straight up says, I have come down from heaven, not on my own will, but on the <laughs> will of one who sent me, which is God, who has sent the bread of life, which is me. Right. I mean, that's clear as day. And I think... Um, I just think the message, I don't, you can't pass over this and say Jesus isn't God um, and is very, and this isn't the only time he, he talks this way. Well, good preaching prepares the heart. So whatever they heard from him, they were being prepared to then hear this message. Mm-hmm. And he just straight up tells them, you don't, you don't believe, you know, I'm, I'm right in front of you and you don't, you don't believe. And, and he will say more along the same lines if you read chapter 6, verses 41, all the way to 65. We don't have time for that in this episode, but I think at at the end of the day, Jesus is always desiring to reveal himself to people. And, you know, as Christians, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. What is eternal life? Well, eternal life is knowing and believing in Jesus as who he said to be. It's not your own idea of Jesus that says, it's Jesus's message on who he is that saves you, not your own Jesus. Um, Who he declares himself to be, who he reveals himself to be, that Jesus saves you. So you can't create an image of Jesus that's really closer to just an image of yourself. You can't make your relationship out with God to be something that you always agree with. You've got to accept what Jesus is, is given to you and revealing to you. And if you don't accept that Jesus, you will not be saved. So trust in Jesus today for eternal life. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Be Disciples podcast. Uh, continue to pray for us. Continue to support us by uh, sharing this podcast with your friends and family and coworkers and whoever is, surrounds you, whatever sphere of influence you have, uh, let them know about this podcast so they can hear the gospel. Uh, today in this episode, episode 41, we shared uh, how you, how to become saved, and that's through Jesus uh, alone, in belief alone in Him uh, and who He is. And so uh, share this uh, with uh, whoever you can uh, to share the gospel, and we encourage you to keep going, uh, doing one-on-one uh, Bible readings uh, with people, continue to disciple others, uh, continue on that journey as uh, Jesus has told us to do, to go out and make disciples of all nations and teaching them. And so thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week. God bless. God bless, guys.